Welcome to episode 11 of Frog Fever, Killer Frogs, Big 12 Basketball Podcast. My name is Davis Wilson, that's Nick Germani, and we've got a lot to talk about this week. We've got a good episode for you. We have um, a pretty wild week in the Big 12, basketball-wise. We had some interesting TCU performances, and then we're going to have, a little later, we're going to have Tori Couch on, our Killer Frogs dot com colleague and we're going to talk a little bit about what is going on with the tcu women's basketball team who if you have not heard there's some things they had to forfeit two games this this week because they don't have enough players so we're going to talk to her about that see what's going on there but first nick let's get into this this week that was a wild week for big 12 basketball yeah we got a loaded episode for you we got you know we get to the bottom of whatever happened with women's basketball but in regular men's big 12 basketball i mean it was another crazy week yeah we're down to no undefeated teams which is crazy tech and k-state stand at the top which is what everybody expected at the start at four and one but i mean there are some funny storylines that really took over the week and my favorite was um just texas's whole week together mm-hmm. so on Tuesday, I believe, or it was either Tuesday or Wednesday, they lost to UCF at home. They're throwing the horns down, and then Rodney Terry just erupts like it's life or death. Like he's like it's a war over there. He's calling he's calling it a hate crime. He's getting pissed at every little thing that's happened. It just shows like a a dude who's who's worried about a lot of stuff. I he was I don't know. What do you think about that? I was my favorite story of the week that was easily the best story of the week we talked a lot about texas last episode about whether or not we think they're in and they just had a you know a wild week and um not a great look in my opinion for hot rod terry he uh you know i never really understood the deal with the horns down like i think it's funny and uh Texas people get their feel. I mean, it really does hurt their feelings. They don't like it. So it was hey, interesting. Trent. He, 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 he was like yelling and scolding the UCF players, like shouting, calling them classless, just a weird look, especially after they lose, like, I don't know, weird look for sure. And then they respond and they beat Baylor uh, on Saturday. So they have a good win. Now they have a, you know, they, they defend their home court finally very interesting. I don't know. They they were uh they were busy this week. What do you I mean, what do you think about Texas now? Are your opinions any different? Yeah, it's honestly about this the same, I would say. Mm-hmm. I would say they're still probably not in. Like you can't really lose to UCF at home and they barely beat Baylor, which we'll talk about. Yeah. But uh to go back to the Rod and Terry thing, I just think it's funny how because in all of college basketball, you're looking at all these big characters that have left the game like yeah uh coach k roy williams Bayheim, like all these guys who were big and you're kind of looking for the new wave of like emphatic coaches that make college sports what it is and it's Mm -hmm. become like it's funny how the handshake lines and the fights like you got rodney terry doing this you got shaka smart playing defense you got juan howard fighting the Wisconsin great guard. You got um, 
got NATO just pushing Na- a yeah NATO is yeah. pushing pushing the, my Mizzou player yeah exactly like ridiculous exactly so it's come to like a funny standstill where the handshake line's always gonna be funny you always gotta look out for stuff but in terms of <laughs> Rodney Terry um I think it just shows exactly what he is right now at Texas like. He seems like he's kind of losing it out there. He's always screaming at stuff. And that that Baylor game when it was huge for them. Um but he was thrown into a situation last year where he had an old experienced team with all of Chris Beard's players. And then he just, in my opinion, got lucky, like just being having such a great job. Like he wasn't outstanding at Fresno State, I believe, which he where he was before and he just got all this talent that just propelled him to the elite eight and now he's just kind of riding off that but in his first true season he seems like it's very up and down he doesn't have a massive grasp on what this texas team is Mm -hmm. now it was funny because after the ucf game with all his comments about the horns down and all that kind of stuff he was like i'd never have a team um jumping up and down like they won the national championship like that in a game in a regular season game and then come Saturday um Baylor hits a three to tie the game at the end of with like five seconds left Tyrese Hunter goes coast to coast and it's a sick game winner that's a massive win for Texas Mm -hmm. but it's just funny because you see Ronnie Terry literally jumping up and down like they won the national championship so yeah watching Ronnie Terry on the sidelines I think we're we should do a power ranking of like coaches we watch on the sidelines just for oh entertainment. Like yeah. we're talking about how Jamie's one of the top in the nation at that yeah. with TCU, but it's it's become musty TV. Yeah, just watching Rodney Terry on the sidelines. You can yeah. add him to the list. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned how like Rodney Terry doesn't know what his team is, and I don't know if really any of us have a great idea of what is going on at Texas because they're now that that's three, I think three buzzer beater game winners. So, and that one was, they were tied. So right. They were tied. So it wouldn't have been a loss if he missed it. It would have been overtime, but still like you're potentially, you know, if those three buzzer beaters, and I know this is unfair to do, but if those three buzzer beaters go differently, Texas one has a has a loss to Louisville, who's terrible. They have, and then they're they're winless in conference play because they beat Cincinnati yeah. on that buzzer beater, Max Azmus again, and then Tyree Sunner on Saturday, a great a great um, a great attack to the basket, and we'll talk about Baylor's defense. There is pretty pitiful, but like they're a couple shots away from potentially being what is that now Owen five and conference probably the worst i mean we're probably talking about them like we're talking about like west virginia because west virginia even beat them so uh they're interesting they keep i mean their their guys are hitting big shots and that you have to credit them for that you can't discount those big shots just because it was a close game but still like it is interesting to kind of see what this team is um and in a win against baylor at home is a big win either way, even if you, you know, barely get there. And a win against Cincinnati on the road is looking like it's a pretty good win. Um, so those are good wins, but it is interesting to see like a couple things go differently. And we're talking about Texas in a really 
different light, I think. Yeah, the narrative has definitely been changed. Like, I don't think anybody's really saying Texas is like an amazing team, but no. you're right. Like, if they were zero and five in conference with a loss against Louisville and having like and West Virginia LSU, yeah, yeah, exactly. Louisville yeah. and West Virginia and having like LSU be your best win, um, you're looking at like a horrible season where it's yeah, it's fire like, everybody type stuff. At that point, but, it's over. You don't even have a tournament shot at least now yeah exactly you're probably done at this point right um but i mean the schedule even gets harder like you you're three for next rough yeah like as bad as it can possibly get for the big 12 (laughs) probably i mean you have three your next four games on the road with the one home game being to houston which is arguably the still the best one of the best teams of the nation yeah um so you, I mean, maybe you ride this momentum from the big Baylor win because that is their signature win of the year, and that's a very good win for them. But it's it could be scary because, you know, I mean, the luck could run out fast, and then they could they could spiral downhill. I don't know. Yeah. Texas yeah. still doesn't scare me, and I still wouldn't think that they would be in the tournament as today stands. Yeah. So Ken Palm has them losing six of their next seven games and all five of their next five. So they. So I'll just run through it. They go to Oklahoma, and Oklahoma beat Cincinnati on the road yesterday. And we've we found out that Cincinnati is a tough place to play, and that's a good win for Oklahoma. Yeah. So if you had any doubts about Oklahoma, they're still very good. Then you go to BYU, which is another really uh, big home court advantage. And BYU is still ninth in Kim Palm. They lost to Texas Tech yesterday, Saturday, but – they beat Iowa State on Tuesday. So, I mean, and then you, like you said, they they host Houston. Finally, they get a home game. Then they go to TCU, and then they host Iowa State. And then they uh, host West Virginia, which who knows about that? That's supposed to be the one win in the next seven. But who knows, man? They already lost to West yeah. Virginia. So it gets really tough. And then after West Virginia, we can keep going. They go, They have to go to Houston. So – it is brutal the next like month month of basketball for Texas is going to be really tough. And there is a scenario where they don't like they come out of it with one or two wins, which would, you know, that would really be not ideal. Yeah, it's it's starting to spiral downhill and the brand that is Texas could start to panic fast because you need success a yeah. lot of yeah. years with them. Yeah. What about uh Baylor? How about I mean, what do you think about the uh so they went they lost both of their games this week. They lost um to Can- Kansas State in overtime, of course. Kansas State does not lose in overtime. Yeah. And then they lose to Texas. Both of those games are on the road, so those are tough. But um I don't know, man. They made they let Tyrese Hunter go straight to the rim. After tying it up with a big three, they just let him. I mean, they just let him go to the rim. And uh, I remember after the Houston game, Houston TCU game, we were, we were in there in the post game with um, Kelvin Sampson, and he was talking about how you never call a timeout there. You just, you just let your, you get it into your playmaker's hands, and you let him go downhill. And that's, it didn't work for Houston against TCU, but that you see why it works there when you give it to Tyree Center and just let him go. Cause Baylor, ha- there was no resistance 
like he got to the basket in like four seconds. So Baylor's defense is something we have been concerned about. And that was, uh, that was just, um, I mean, really the one thing you couldn't do in that situation. Yeah. They, the, um, they, the 59th defense in Ken Palm, which has actually been better from where they were at the start of the year, but mm-hmm. that's going to be the Achilles heel for them all year is their lack of size and their lack of defense. But, in terms of looking at them from a broader standpoint of just losing two games, I think it's more a testament to what the Big 12 schedule is. Yeah. Like, you have two away games in a week, and you, like, one possession difference in either games, and it's two wins. So the narrative can switch just like that, as we saw with TCU's week, like a couple losses in one in overtime and one by technically a bucket. I know it's obviously a different style of games, but – I mean, you can be riding so high and hit so low so fast. So I think it just – I wouldn't overreact to these losses necessarily yeah. from Baylor. Yeah, um, But as you said, it is something to to watch is how good Baylor's defense is during conference play and how improved it is because it has improved a lot this season. Like I remember earlier in the year when they – you know, lost to Michigan State. They gave up like ninety or something to them, and they. I think they lost to Duke right after that too, and they gave up a lot. So, and a lot of people are calling for their defense. As I think I even said, like they were, they're just soft at times yeah. in their yeah. defense. Like you have to be hard nosed at times. And Scott Drew's best teams have been defensive base, which I think is funny how it's kind of transformed into elite offensive guards that can just strike fast at any moment but uh i still think baylor's i don't know a top three top five team in the big 12 and i wouldn't worry too much about these two losses yeah i agree um what about uh we'll talk about obviously there was a big upset yesterday west virginia beat kansas but um before we do that what are your thoughts on ucf because now ucf's starting to rattle off a couple big wins they they got smoked by Houston yesterday on Saturday. Uh, they scored 42 points, which is exactly what Houston will do to you. But they they now have wins over Kansas and Texas. And those are pretty much the only wins they have. But they are a scrappy team, and they're 72 in Kimpom, and I think they're like 67 in net. So they're right around there. They're... They're a couple big wins away from probably sneaking into a bubble conversation, maybe. I mean, are you there yet, or do you think they have some work to do? Yeah, I'd still probably wait because they they didn't have any good wins in non-conference. But mm-hmm. it's, again, as we've said, like there's no wins you can pencil in the Big 12 and every team is good, as yeah. we saw with West Virginia and UCF just this week. Um, but, I mean, you probably – with UCF's non-conference being bad, you probably have to finish 500 non-conference, and they're two and three right now, so it's definitely a possibility. Like I think we said earlier, um, if any team, if they get hot, can get themselves into a conversation because any win in the Big Twelve is either quad one or quad two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I would keep an eye out for them because I think two and three is a success in their first five games i mean they've kind of had a tough slate like k-state away that's a fine loss kansas at home like great win byu 
you know, whatever. They almost like give me you. Yeah, exactly. Close like game. they they're feisty for sure. Yeah. But um and they've got kind of a gettable stretch ahead. They've got West Virginia at home, Cincinnati on the road, Baylor, and then a little later, obviously those are tough, but you get West Virginia twice for the rest of the season. You get Oklahoma State. Um so there's some win- I mean, I'm interested to I'm not gonna put them in the bubble area yet, but they are like I don't know if they rattle off a couple of big wins. Uh, they're a team that's kind of fun. I love I love watching Jalen Sellers. He had like 24, I think, against Texas or something like maybe 26. But he's a fun scorer. He's not all that efficient, but he's fun. And I think they're a fun team. They're one of those kind of like scrappy. I mean, it always makes me curious what they'd be if they were like, I don't know, in a different conference where they could kind of I mean, the Big 12 is just so tough. And actually, they have, like, yeah. what I didn't know until looking at it now, they have a top 10 defense in the country. So it's really their offense that's not efficient. So I'm interested yeah. to see where they go. Yeah, their offense is 202 in the nation. So yeah. it's tough. But if they, they can win those ugly games that they've that they've shown, like like they won 65-60 to Kansas. And, you know, I mean, they just played Houston in a 57-42 ugly game, which they lost. But... Um. Yeah. Definitely. Any team in the Big Twelve is playing for something because if you get hot, you can make the tournament. Or yeah. I mean, even NIT, which is a successful season for UCF. Yeah. But um. Yeah. Definitely something to keep an eye out on. Yeah. Three of their next four are at home. I'll I'll be I'll be keeping an eye on. I'm I'm kind of rooting for them. I like their, I like uh, Johnny Dawkins and I like their team a little bit. But let's talk about Kansas and West Virginia. What do you What are your uh, immediate Immediate thoughts on that game. Yeah, the the more and more Kansas loses these games, I start to really worry about them. I mean, mm-hmm. their depth is a massive, massive issue. And mm-hmm. they've gotten to stay healthy, fortunately. Luckily, but, yeah. Yeah, and even with that, they're so, so thin. Like, they finally made a switch in their starting lineup um, to put in Johnny Furphy for Amarco Jackson. Amarco Jackson was the five-star Freshman that was supposed to he is not be the next good. Kansas guard, yeah, and he's been horrible to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. but they, you just can't buy into them right now as making a deep March run because mm-hmm. they don't have those guys that if you get in a foul trouble or if you, um, just you're having an off night here or there, like you don't have guys that can pick it up for you, and losing games to UCF and West Virginia in the first five give, five games of conference is not good and we can go back and forth with the TCU thing but mm. um i mean they almost lost that one too so they've had the signature wins in non-conference and they're like McCullough and Dickinson are arguably two of the top i don't know five players in the nation the best so, duo in the country i'd say yeah hands down and you know that alone could take you to enough but I mean, if I was filling out a bracket right now, I don't know if I could have Kansas going past like the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, it's interesting. That's interesting. That's a that's a interesting thought because when you have two guys that good, it's weird because they can get hot in March and they can just like those two alone could could propel them to like a Final Four. I could see that, but also in March you play. I mean, every team you play is good for the most part you're not deep 
And the thing is, like, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't really seen someone get in foul trouble for them. We haven't really seen any uh, injuries for them. But those things happen throughout the season. And I'm curious to see if and when it's going to happen. What are they going to look like? How are they going to deal with that? Like, what if what if Hunter Dickinson has to miss, like, a stretch of, like, two or three games? Like, what then? They don't have anything. I mean, then it's all on McCuller, and I don't, you know – and then he has no help. He's got like KJ Jackson, who's been playing pretty well this year, but they have like six or seven playable guys. And that I just don't, I mean, we've, I've been saying that since this podcast started, I just don't feel like that's enough, but, um, and they don't, yeah, they don't really have a great conference win. Like you can say the TCU win was great, but it wasn't really for them because I don't, no one in this country is convinced that they really won that game. We don't have to talk about that, but they, I mean, they, they beat Oklahoma, which is a good win. They beat Oklahoma state, which you should beat Oklahoma state, but now they have losses to UCF and West Virginia. Both those games are on the road. So you cut them a little slack there, but I, I am, I'm not super worried about them, but I am, I do have my, um, my questions about them. They're, they're top 30 in both offensive defense adjusted efficiency and Kim Palm. They don't, but they don't really, you know, for a team that we expect to be a top team, they don't stick out. They don't have like a, you know, like a top 10 unit. So it's interesting. I'm, I don't know. I don't know what to think about them. They just are not deep and they, they keep losing these games that they probably should not be losing. Yeah, I think um I think Kansas is just overrated by the AP voters <laughs> just because they have dudes. Like they probably mm-hmm. win a dude off with any other team in the country, just strictly off um, I don't know, their core four of Dewan, KJ, um, mm-hmm. Dickinson and McCuller. But when you again, if you take like five minutes to take a deeper look into this team, like there's nothing that screams top five team in the nation at you in terms of all their metrics. Like their losses are bad. They're, I mean, they. That's the thing too. Like they could beat any team in the country. You just can't buy into them right now as much as a Purdue probably or a UConn or teams of that caliber because they can run so much deeper. And I would even put Houston above them. But mm. um, you're definitely picky about Kansas because they have all this talent. Like. If you're coming preseason number one, like you're gonna be held to the standard, and yeah. they haven't met it yet. And fifteen to three and three and two in conference so far has been a underwhelming performance for them so far. Mm-hmm. But um, I do panic a little because, like, I mean, Kansas, you're there to win a national championship. You're not here yeah. to, you know, That's just true. make a Sweet Sixteen run. So I, the expectations it's, it's, are scary sight. Different. Yeah, exactly. Expectations are different. They're 18 in Kimpom. They're 14 in net. So that's, and then they're three in AP pull. So they are really largely getting overrated. I think they are probably like a top 15, top 10, somewhere around their squad. But when you have the national championship aspirations, this is a little bit of a concerning start. And I just worry about what happens when like one of them, like one player, like one of their starting five, what happens when one of those guys, or I guess the core four that you mentioned, one of those guys has to go out for a small, even a small stretch that that worries me about this team. So 
Um, I don't know. We'll keep an eye on them. But on the other side, West Virginia yeah. is still proving that they're that scrappy team that really doesn't have anything to lose. Raekwon Battle is continuing to hoop. Um, so like when you uh, when you see your team have a game against West Virginia on the schedule, I think you you can't really say. Oh, thank God! It's West Virginia. They're they're a little scrappy. They have wins against Kansas and Texas, uh, which I think is isn't that the exact same as UCF? Um, yeah, I think they're kind yeah, of similar. it is. Yeah, they're similar in that sense, and they play this week, so that'll be fun. Two kind of funny teams, but uh, yeah. What do you what do you think about West Virginia? And like Raekwon Battle's return, I think all that has been good for them. They're obviously nowhere close to a good team, but they are like, you can't take a game against them for granted now. Yeah, I think Raekwon Battle alone just puts them at can beat you um, territory because he can just, I mean, he's a bucket getter. Like he has, has a deep bag. He can shoot from all areas of the floor. Um, He can just give you 30 on a night and then you look up and you're, trailing to West Virginia. But as you said too, like they've dug themselves in such a deep hole that yeah. they're not gonna make the tournament. Like their non conference was that bad. And unless they just win the Big Twelve for some random reason, which is not gonna happen, mm. uh, they're not gonna do that. But yeah, Raycon Battle alone gives you that factor of can beat you any night and any Big Twelve team if you sleep a little bit. Um They'll they'll catch you, yeah. Kim Palm has them losing out, so so yeah. that tells you something. But they are a little uh, they're kind of feisty, and they you yeah know, they beat. A, I mean, yeah, they're beating good teams, and they're just they they had a disaster start, and and then they get like when they don't win in the Big Twelve, they get smoked. Like they their first game was against Houston, they lost by like was that thirty four points or something. Then they go. They have Kansas State and lose by fourteen, and then they also lose by fourteen. Oklahoma. Those are the three losses, and then your three wins. I mean, your two wins in the Big Twelve are close, competitive games. So they're a weird team. They're they're either going to get blown out or they're going to win. So, um, yeah. I mean, point blank, they're like, yeah, they're not good. They. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like the Wizards or something when you have like you're bad, but you have. Jordan Poole that could Jordan, just give yeah. you like 50 or like Brad Beal back in the day when he was dropping like 32 yeah. a night like they could catch you because they have a dude that can score I mean he mm-hmm. shoot he's is used on 33 percent of their possessions when he's in the game mm-hmm. which is like unfathomable that's a third of the time he's shooting on when he's on the floor so I mean they're just playing through him and yeah, he has the ability to give you 30 plus. So, yeah, something to look out for. All right, let's do the bubble segment in or out, wrong or right side of the bubble. Who do you have this week? Yeah, the first one I want to talk about is Cincinnati because okay. um, we saw them beat TCU, which we'll get more into. But, and then they come and lose to Oklahoma at home. So they're kind of right there um, mm. in the, in that, like perfect they could be both of them right now like it, it would be they'd be right on it if mm-hmm. selection sunday was today so um i don't know i'm interested to see what you think you want to go first yeah i'll go first i um 
I was super impressed with their team. Uh, there, I was also even more impressed probably by the the atmosphere at Cincinnati. Like I could feel that through the TV. It was it was so loud in there, and you know TCU has free throw problems regardless, but they couldn't. I mean, their often TCU's offense completely shut down in the last couple of minutes. It just seems like a really tough place to play. But um, I'll talk about like so they're what are they three and they're two and three right now. Big 12 play. Um, their losses are to Texas at home by one. That was one of those buzzer beaters that Texas has. They lost to Baylor by three on the road, and then they lose to Oklahoma by four at home. So that's their three losses are com- by combined eight points. And then they have wins over BYU and TCU, both of which were good wins. So, like, I mean, we talk about Texas being a couple shots away from being a disaster 0 and 5 Cincinnati is sneakily like a couple things go differently away from like 4 and 1 or 5 and 0 start to Big 12 so they're a fun team resume wise right now I do think they have it I think I would put them inside the bubble Kimpom um has them as the 33rd best team I believe and and um looking at net net has them at 36 so their metrics say they're inside the bubble I will agree with that because I like their squad. I think they're playing um, fun basketball, and I would put them on the right side of the bubble. Yeah, their squad um, really impressed me. I, yeah. I was mainly worried about like Big Victor down low because TCU yeah. had struggled with big men in the past. But in that game, like just watching closely as a TCU fan, like, they had so many guys that kill you day day and he was giving us buckets after buckets. John Newman, like they combined for 41 in that game. Dan yeah. Skillings was an athletic freak. Um it was just they have an all-around team that you wouldn't expect. And as you said, 33 Ken Pump, 36 net, they they like him. Um if you finish around that five hundred in conference, which two and three, it's not a horrible start coming in with yeah. a tougher schedule. You would like for them to you would have liked for them to beat OU at home. I think they were favored in that game. Yeah. Um. So mm-hmm. that was kind of a step back, which makes them like literally right on that cusp where it could go either way. But the signature wins at BYU and against TCU, which is, I think, still a really good win. That's um, a great win. Yeah. Yeah. So I would I would keep them in. Yeah, and they've got they've got Kansas on the road, which good luck winning in Lawrence, regardless of how well you play. And then they have UCF, West Virginia, Texas Tech. Two of those three are on the road, but those are all games they can win. Uh, and then it gets tougher with Houston and Iowa State, but still, they've got a, a when you, I mean, no stretch in the Big 12 is favorable, but when you, in terms of Big 12, that's a favorable stretch for them. They have an opportunity to get back a couple of those wins that maybe they feel like they should have gotten earlier against, you know, maybe a Texas or Baylor, Oklahoma. Kim Pum has him projected to finish nine and nine in the conference, which I think is good enough. I think that gets you in. Um, and yeah, a good start for them. That Oklahoma win, like you said, would have been massive, but Oklahoma is a good team. And really that was more, I, I think that's more of a really good win for Oklahoma than a bad loss to since for Cincinnati. So uh, I would have, yeah, I like them. They're inside the bubble for me. Yeah. I like him too. Um, do you want to do the next one? Uh, yeah. Kansas State. Ooh, Kansas I can State. start. Yeah, if you start. You want. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Kansas State is coming off that OT win at Baylor and then uh, a home win against Oklahoma State. So a great week for them. They're four and one tied for top in the conference, which we definitely did not see when we did our, our re power mm-hmm. rankings right before Big 12 Conference started. I think I put UCF above them, which mm-hmm. probably is looking dumb of right now. Um, but I would still have them know or on the wrong side of the bubble mm-hmm. for right now. Um, just by a smidge. Mm-hmm. They even four and one of the Big 12 is super impressive. But their metrics, they're 56 in Ken Palm yeah. and 71 in net. Um, and I don't know what to think of these overtime wins. I don't That's know if ridiculous. it's skill. I guess you do it enough times, it's got to be like, oh, like you can win the close ones, which is a skill mm-hmm. for Tank. Tank's 11-0 or 10-0. and yeah. Still has an overtime lost wins. overtime game. Yeah, it's absurd, it's which I want to say it's lucky. Like they're 5-0 this year, but at some point, you just probably got to give them props. Um it scares me because, yes, they're four and one, and yes, every game of the Big Twelve is tough, so that's super impressive. But three of their four wins were UCF, West Virginia, and Oklahoma, with their loss being to Tech, and their other one being an overtime win, as we said. And they go at Iowa State, at Houston, home against Oklahoma. So I think when it comes down to it, looking ahead, they are probably going to drop some of those games, and they will still fall a little bit short of the tournament. Yeah. I remember when earlier in earlier in the season, before Big Twelve play started, we talked about them a lot. They had three overtime wins in a row, and I remember saying this on the pod. I said, "Jerome Tang is not going to win every overtime game, so you can't expect him to." But he is. He's he might. I don't know. He might just win every overtime game for yeah. the rest of his life, and that would be probably. I mean, I don't know. This team. They like as far as Big Twelve starts go. They had a pretty easy start. They had UCF at home, West Virginia on the road, Texas Tech on the road, Baylor at home, Oklahoma State at home. So like those are tough games, but they're four and one. The only really good win of those four is Baylor. The other three, you probably expect them to win regardless. Uh, I would also have them on the outside. I don't like how much net dislikes them. I don't like how much Ken Palm dislikes them. I think going starting four and one is huge in the big 12, but I would expect a bit of a regression going forward. They've got a pretty tough stretch coming up. Ken Palm does have them finishing nine and nine in the conference. So that's, I mean, like we said, that's probably enough. That's right on the bubble for you probably. Uh, But right now, there's still something about this team that I don't love, and I would have them just barely on the outside of that bubble. Yeah, it could go either way. Um, mm-hmm. As you said, because they have the talent to be good, like they were projected to be really good before the season, you didn't know what Tomlin um, would bring to them, and that loss has been huge, and their offense has just been kind of inconsistent. Tyler Perry's been inconsistent. <laughs> Kaluma's been inconsistent. Camp Carter, they just don't have – they haven't – Fully clicked it, and maybe they have um, being four and one conference, and that'll stick. But yeah, they they had they definitely are right there of making it. But um, with how they've been so inconsistent so far, I just can't trust them to rack off a lot of these wins in the end. Yeah, I agree. They get Iowa State and Houston both on the road this week. 
that's really, really, that's just about as tough as it gets. So we'll see about yeah. them. We'll see how they, what kind of week they have. We'll probably be having this conversation again next week, but um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to keep them outside of the bubble for now. Um, all right. Do you want to, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk uh, TCU's wild week of basketball. Let's do it. All right, TCU went 0-2 this week. They had a, a, a road loss to Cincinnati and a home loss to Iowa State. We'll start with Cincinnati because that was a really good game. That was on that Tuesday where every single Big 12 game was good, I'm pretty sure. Maybe not every single one, but that was one of the most fun game days of uh, college basketball I can remember watching. And that was a great game. A very, very, very winnable game for TCU. What were your thoughts on that loss and how concerned uh, are you about it? Yeah, we had that game. Um, it was so many little things that added up. Like We had so many chances to win. We were up a decent amount um, at the end. Like We wanted that run to start the second half, and then we just faded at the end. We had the missed free throws with Uday that could have clinched it, but... I mean, I think Day-Day Thomas missed free throws for them, too. So it was just a really weird game. Um, shot selection was bad. I think Tennyson pulled too early at the end of, of regulation, and then Jacoby at the end. Um, probably that three wasn't the best in that scenario. But you can't look and blame one person or one moment in that game. It was just a wild college basketball game. Uh, as we talked about Cincinnati before, like, they're electric. They have Daley Thomas and Newman killers all night. They seem like they can miss. The real issue of this game is that I have that showed up big in Iowa State is the turnovers. Um, oh yeah, especially from the guard position. Avery Anderson six turnovers. Jameer four. We had nineteen to their fifteen, which was probably the difference in the game. Um, and when you lose this turnover battle as a as the best or is the most fast break points in the nation type of style where you love to run and play fast. This can bite you in the ass so hard, uh, mm. which we saw that like, this has been such a trend for TCO and it'll probably come up again later in the year where you have to be able to execute better on the half court side of the ball. When teams hold you in like Cincinnati and Iowa state have, um, really 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 good defenses and we saw with houston too like we struggled with half court we pulled out a win because our defense was good and we kind of found our groove later on but you need to execute and you need to take care of the ball because we got off to this super hot start in cincinnati and then we go through these runs where we it seems like we can't put a ball in the basket we saw it at the start of the houston game we saw it at the end of the second half in Cincinnati. So I don't want this to become a trend when it's turnovers and the guards not taking care of the ball, but that's what it has been this week. Yeah. I was going to mention how the offenses fell apart at the end of regulation in Cincinnati. So Ernest Uday makes a ESPN calls it a two point tip shot with five minutes and 22 seconds left in the game to make it 64 to 58 TCU. They don't score again until Trey Tennyson hits a three 
with 24 seconds left to make it 67 65 so that's basically five minutes of nothing and you cannot do that uh when especially when you have the game you have the game that was theirs to win and they just couldn't do it the other thing i remember when we were at the houston game tcu went 16 of 29 from the free throw line and i told myself at some point like they they got lucky today but at some point free throws are absolutely going to hurt this team and that's what happened they had um, i mean they were six of 12 from the free throw line 50 percent that's terrible and they had so many chances to win at the end. Like Ernest had the one literally with three seconds left. Yeah. Uh, there were, I mean, that wasn't the only one he, I mean, the, the whole team just couldn't, I mean, Mike Capivi missed free throws down the stretch. He went over two. It was just like the easiest stuff, the simplest stuff, just score the basketball. They couldn't score, you know, on the floor and they couldn't score from the free throw lines. So it was just a, it was just they they fell apart really. It was an extremely winnable game for them, and I'm sure they let, they feel like they let that one get away. Um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, certainly frustrating. The only silver lining about that Iowa State game, I think, was that they were 20 of 26 from the free throw line, which is 77, percent which is you know that's fine. But I'm concerned about. Their free throws. I'm concerned about the turnovers, the guards a little bit. I'm concerned about the half court. Um, but I don't think, I mean, you know, we can transition to more Iowa State talk, but those are two obviously good teams and two winnable games. Um, it's frustrating, but I don't, my mind hasn't changed a ton about how good this team can be, you know. Yeah, I think what's so big when you're in the Big 12 is that not to get too high on the highs, not to get too low on the yeah. lows, because mm-hmm. none of this matters until March. It's just you got to get in. Like, mm-hmm. you can't over... It's tough not to overreact for the big wins when you beat the number nine and number two teams last week, that you're one of the best teams in the nation, and then you go around and it's like, oh, we suck. Like, the real... The realistic thing is that you're somewhere in between. Um, it's just so frustrating when you have this talent and you're so close to like clicking, but mm-hmm. you just can't. You need to have an option too when you get stuck in the half court because that's going to happen when you play teams at a slower pace. Mm-hmm. And with these top defenses that are in the Big Twelve, it's they're going to slow you down, and you have to be able to execute better. That's one thing we miss because our savior last year was Mike, just being able to create. Um, yeah. a shot on his own and we're realistically we really don't have that guy on this team that can create a shot on his own i would love to see Eman be more aggressive i think and just kind of take over games on his own because i think he can do it more than he's doing um sometimes he'll have like a switch on him and he'll just you know keep going with the offense which is fine but if that's not working at some point you have to be able to take over as the best player on the team yeah yeah, earlier this episode we talked about how like Cincinnati was a couple a couple little things away from being five and oh, four and one. TCU's the same way. Uh TCU has three losses. They're two and three in conference play. They buy a combined like seven points. So that's even less than the margin that Cincinnati had. Um so it's just you're I mean, they're right there. And I don't know. It would have been really great to get one of those because 
you know, big 12 wins are really hard to come by regardless of who you are. Um, but you know, it's a good team. Still, they have issues. We knew they had issues. We knew about these exact, I mean, everything that we've mentioned, the half court, the guards, the free throws have all kind of been question marks throughout the season for us. So we knew this was, you know, going to happen. And this is obviously the toughest conference in basketball. So you're going to have stretch. You're going to have weeks where you go to two and oh, like last week. And you're going to have weeks where you go oh and two, like this week, you just can't let it, like you said, you can't, let it affect the team too much and um i don't know let's start we can talk about iowa state because that was really the much more concerning loss for me than uh compared to the cincinnati one i was much more worried about that iowa state game because it ended up being a one-point game but if you watch the game you know it was really never that close until the last like two minutes so I don't know. What did you think about that game? I don't remember the what was the final turnover count like 27, 27 which yeah, is almost unfathomable. Like to only lose like a game six, by there were like six in the first three minutes. They yeah, just, it was they couldn't handle it. It was unbelievable because you saw what happened in the Cincinnati game and in an overtime game you had 19, which is horrible. And it got that much, like twenty-seven, and then even your guards, Avery had went from six to seven, and Jameer went from four to five. Like they even outdid themselves. You can't have that from your guards and win. Um, but then they showed that, like, it was this game was so funny because it showed the worst of TCU and showed the best of TCU. Like it would be turnovers, bad half court, horrible, and they tease you because they go on a. 10 nothing run out of nowhere by pushing the ball and um Trey was good hitting threes and like we are so explosive but we can struggle so much at the same time um mm-hmm. like I mean you should beat an Iowa State team without Lipsy who we is yeah. their best player at home which is so tough because both these games were so winnable games mm-hmm. but I mean, that's what comes with the Big 12. You just have to figure out the turn. It's It was kind of the same story. The defense. I think Iowa State's one of the top three defenses in the nation. Yeah. But um, you have to be able to execute better regardless of the defense. 27 turnovers against, I don't know, the 96 Bulls. It's still yeah. tough. Yeah. Yeah, the more, I, um, the more I look at this team, the more I watch this team, I think that, the difference maker for TCU is going to be Trey Tennyson. Uh, obviously, Emmanuel Miller is the best player on this team, one of the best players in the conference. Uh, but I think when Trey Tennyson is hitting his shots, you know, he's his last three games, he has 19, 17, and 12 points, all at least three threes. Um, and I know we lost, TCU lost two of those three games. But I think that when he's going, like you saw, he got going at the end, and that's why it became a close game. Um, I really think it's going to – TCU, might, it might be one of those things where they go as far as he goes, and he's not – it's interesting because he's not the star. He's just the guy who's going to make threes. He's the only one, really, that you can trust to make threes at a consistent clip. And uh, it's good to see him kind of settle in and start to – put together some of those more consistent performances. Um, 
but I'm happy with what he's doing. And, you know, as far as the other guards, Avery and um, Jameer and Micah, even there are definitely things they need to get better at. And I think they will, but I like what Trey's doing and he's given this team a chance, even when they're playing terrible basketball, like the first, I want to say like 30, when did the run start at the end? When did TCU um, start it was to make it interesting. I mean, it was kind of late. Like I remember we were down like five minutes, twelve with like four minutes left, and they ripped out like the hypnotographic, and then we went on like an eight nothing run out of the yeah. out of the under four, which is hype. But yeah, so that so it was like thirty six minutes of the worst basketball I've seen TCU play all year, and then four minutes of some of the most exciting basketball I've seen TCU play all year. So you said it like it was we got a little bit of everything. Um, but I think this team needs to be more consistent. They did the same thing against Cincinnati. They played a majority really solid basketball and then fell apart at the end. So I think it's going to be this team needs to figure out how to play a complete 40 minutes and then overtime if you need to. And that's tough to do against the the level of competition you see. But um, I'm, I want to see a little bit more consistency from them, I think. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully that'll come. Yeah. Once you get more and more reps together. Like I thought it'd click last week when we rattle off those two games, but then you have to learn not to get too, you know, over exaggerated by these mm. by these results. Um but yeah, as you said, Trey was a bright spot in this game. He's definitely a spark plug for this team. When you need quick points, just find mm. him and he could just get hot out of any means. It's him and like Chuck once a month will just go for a random <laughs> thirty, but Outside of that, he doesn't do much. Um, yeah. Another, I thought Uday actually was pretty good. Um, yeah. He was 8 of 10 from free throws. He was 8 of 8 at one point, which That's I awesome. jinxed him because I um, <laughs> I, was, I just said to the guy next to me, you know, always, Uday's 8 of 8 from free throws, and then he just missed the next two, which is on me. Um, But overall, there still is some bright spots. I mean, this team's still really good. I would like yeah. to see E-Man take more than eight shots um like we were talking about him last week he he's one of the best players in his conference which is the best conference in the nation so you want him to be more aggressive on offense because he has that ability um but overall you have to clean up the turnovers is the main takeaway from this week because Mm. having 12 turnovers from your backcourt alone is horrible and if you want to throw in Trey too like your three guards had 15 turnovers which is insane Uh Uh yeah only three three of the 10 guys who saw the court against iowa state had finished the game with zero turnovers everyone else had at least one which is uh concerning to say the least but yeah you you like you said i still feel really good about tcu they're um they're a really good basketball team. They just ran into two really good basketball teams and they happen to play the worst basketball they've played all year against one of the, you know, I think Iowa state's probably a top 10 team in the country right yeah. around there. So you play your worst basketball against one of the best teams in the nation and really one of the best defenses in the nation. Uh, it's never going to end well. And it was interesting. Like you saw Houston's defense and they were, they didn't, completely panic like they did against Iowa state. And, you know, those are both good defenses, but I thought that 
the preparation you got from the Houston game would help them kind of manage the uh, defense that Iowa State played, but they had so much trouble right away. Right away, you kind of knew that it would it would be a messy game from TCU, and it was. Yeah, it sucks because now the the weak non conference comes back into play where. You're two and three, and you start to creep back in the bubble conversation. I still mm-hmm. think they're in right now, but they're probably on the bubble. You know, they're mm-hmm. probably in that like 16 team group of, hey, if you lose, like if they lose to Oklahoma State and Baylor, they're probably out of the tournament yeah. as it stands. You know what I mean? Like it's back to cut there where you felt pretty safe a week ago, but now you drop two winnable games and now you're right back into it, which the ebbs and flows of this conference is insane. Um, yeah. But I mean, you're looking for a bounce back. You're at Oklahoma State, which they're hungry for a win. Like I think that is going to be a lot tougher than it looks on paper, just Absolutely. because they they haven't got a win in conference. But going there kind of scares me a little. Then you're away at Baylor, so it's it's a tough week coming up. Yeah, it doesn't get any tougher. Usually, when you lose two in a row, you're like, all right, what what can we get? Like, wh- how can we respond? They have to get. They're on the road this whole week. They, you know, you said they play Oklahoma. In Stillwater, that they play Baylor in Waco, which that game is going to be Baylor's, you know, Baylor students and fans are going to show out for that game. I guarantee it. So, like, you have two road games against, you know, two teams that you can beat, but two teams that also can beat you. So, it's just so scary. That's why I love watching Big 12 basketball because it's just every single game, either of the teams can win, regardless of how, like, for example, Oklahoma State, regardless that they're – it doesn't matter really that they're 0-5 in garments play, I still absolutely think that they are capable of beating a TCU team at home like that, you know. So it's a, it's fun because you have to watch out for every single team you play. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't really get – much. I mean, it, it does get easier in the sense that Oklahoma State is not as good as Cincinnati and Ohio – or, sorry, and Iowa State. But so in that sense, yeah, it's a little easier of a week, but you're on the road all week. Uh, They do not have a road conference win yet, which is they only have two tries and, you know, both of them they could have won. But you're looking to get that road win and uh, it's going to be tough. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, You want to start previewing more specifically the games? Yep. Yep. Let's do it. So, yeah, we'll start with Oklahoma State. We talked about that a little bit already. Oklahoma State's 0-5. They're 115th in Ken Palm. They, their losses are Baylor, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, all pretty good teams. Um, Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. They took, um, they took Baylor to overtime. I remember, yeah. You know, they're, they're capable of scaring you a little bit. Yeah, as we just said, like – they're going to be hungry for one. They're not a tough team. Um, They kind of have similar issues to TCU where their turnovers are horrible. Um, They're 3 to 20th in the nation turnover percentage. TCU's 231, which isn't good either. But that's going to be an issue for them, which helps TCU's defense um, because that's what gets them going out in transition. Um, Outside of that, they run a bit of a slower pace. I don't know if that's just like lack of talent getting quick open shots or just what they're trying to do. But that has been a struggle for TCU in the past. So 
um, turning the ball over and getting them out fast and not letting Oklahoma State set up on offense and wind them down in an ugly game, which um, TCU doesn't thrive well in the ugly games. Mm. Uh, I think we'll win. Uh, Oklahoma State's a little bit more inexperienced, but you can't sleep on them. And um, I'm worried if Oklahoma State keeps dropping games like Boynton probably in the hot seat might be his last year if it keeps going down south. But yeah, um, I think, I think TCU will win. I don't know. Um, They're still really good. And I think they're going to be super hungry as well. Um, Yeah. Their experience, their style of play translates well enough with Oklahoma state that I think their talent will just win it in the end. I feel like TCU and Oklahoma state always play like banger banger games they're always good um and avery anderson going back to stillwater yeah, I'm sure avery anderson gonna, revenge game that's gonna mean a little a little something to him i'm sure like there's no doubt about it this you should win this game tcu should win this game especially because they need that of how you know you kind of need a bounce back win you, you can't keep losing games and this is the easiest game they get until february 12th against west virginia so it's not a must win, but it's it's one of the uh, – it would be very nice if they did win. Um, but, yeah, Oklahoma State's kind of that desperate, nothing-to-lose team that can get anyone, I think. So it, that's uh, – that should be a win. I don't – we can't mark it down as a win, but it should be a win. You should be 3-3 three and three going into the really big game against Baylor – in Waco. What do you think about that game? Yeah, that game's going to be tough. I mean, with that rivalry, it's it's um that new arena. Uh I think I'm going to try to get down there, see see what's nice. going on. Nice. It's tickets yeah. drop, but um yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be an awesome environment. Baylor's super good um as we've talked about, one of the best teams and this is arguably with the new Big 12 um Maybe the best rivalry in the conference. I don't know if I want to say that, but it's definitely out there. Um, what's good for the TCU is that Baylor plays um, with not a great defense. So yeah. you can't be really tied down to being able to – like their guards probably won't create as much turnovers as um, other teams have in the Big 12. So you kind of play that style. Baylor shoots the three. They're the best three-point shooting team in the nation. So guard defense um, by Jameer, Avery, and Tennyson. I mean, they have all the top guards. They got Ray J. They got Jacoby, Walter. We've talked about Jaden Nunn, Lakes and Love. Jalen Bridges is a forward, but he kind of plays that guard kind of role. Um, it's going to be a, f- a fun game. I think a lot of like highlight plays will happen. Baylor yeah. does play at a slower pace, which doesn't play right into TCU's style. Um, I mean, gun in my head, they probably lose this game mm-hmm. because it's just so tough. And but anything that happened, I think that environment would just be crazy that day. That tempers will be flying. I'm really looking forward to this game. Yeah, yeah, me too. This is it's gonna be nice this week for TCU because, but neither of the defenses they play, Oklahoma State or Baylor, neither of them have like those great defenses that they've seen like week in and week out. Or game in and game out so far in the Big 12. Like Kansas, 
has a top as a top 30 defense. Oklahoma has a top 20 defense. Houston obviously is the best defense in the country. Cincinnati has a top 20 defense. Iowa State is the third best defense in the country. So you're just getting pelted with these really, really good defenses from all angles. And then you finally get Oklahoma State, who's 81 uh, in Kim Palm defensive efficiency, and then Baylor, who's 59th. So it's gettable. The offense is going to be able to breathe a little bit more than they were against Iowa State, no doubt. Um, but then, yeah, you look at, like, how do you feel about – um, TCU's defense against Baylor's offense, which is one of the best units in the country. Yeah, I worry about it. That's the downfall of having Tennyson in the lineup, I think. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't think the effort was as good as it should have been like in Iowa State. So I do worry about that. Like even with um, Jameer and Avery, I, d- I do think Jameer especially has that body where you know, he seems like he can match athleticism and stuff with top tier guards, but mm-hmm. I do think Baylor's guards are different, so they're gonna give you they're gonna give you buckets like yeah, no matter how good you defend against them. Um so I do worry about that. Uh but I mean Oklahoma State's guards are good too, so hopefully that can prepare you a little bit. Like Bryce mm-hmm. Thompson and Jamal Javon Small are probably their best two players and mm-hmm. I think the easy prediction here is um a win at Oklahoma State and you lose at Baylor, but yeah, um, I'm excited because the thing that's exciting about TCU is that you don't know what it's gonna bring. Like they, yeah, exactly. You don't know if they're gonna win two, drop two, mm-hmm. you know, lose at Oklahoma State, beat Baylor. Like it, this team is so unpredictable, which, which makes them dangerous happen. in March. Yeah, exactly. You the predictions with. TCU is like the toughest yeah. team in the nation to predict because you don't know. So I'm yeah. super excited to watch these games and get into it. Yeah. A couple notes on Baylor. They are the best team in the country when it comes to three point percentage. They shoot 42% from three, which is pretty crazy. Is crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. unfathomable crazy. Yeah. 42% of the team is insane. Yeah. Like the second best team in that category is Indiana State, and they're forty one, so they're a full point ahead of the second best team, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a lot. And um, against the best defense in the world too, in the yeah. Big Twelve, like it's yeah. it's unreal. Like they're gonna give you buckets. Jacoby Walter, we talked about yeah. none. I mean, every single one of them can give you buckets. Yeah. So the other thing about Baylor is that they don't play until that TCU game next Saturday. So they yeah. played they played Texas yesterday, which was Saturday. They lose. They have a full week to get ready for TCU to come to to uh what is that place called now? Like Foster Foster? Yeah, Foster Pavilion. Is that the new one? Foster Pavilion. Okay. So they're getting ready for TCU to come to their house for a whole week. And that can be good. Because you don't have to go like TCU's got to go on the road and probably, you know, play a really physical game against Oklahoma State, and then they got to, you know, a couple of days later they're back in action. Do you like having like the full week off, or do you like in TCU's case getting to play, stay kind of I don't know. Both these teams have lost two in a row, so do you like having? a game in between this or would you rather have the week off like Baylor does? 
Yeah, I I genuinely kind of like having that week to as kind of a get right game. I think mm-hmm. it's the whole rust versus rust debate, which is never going to be answered because there's mixed results either way, and it mm-hmm. probably really doesn't matter as much as we think, or at least mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, but I do think a week off is a long time. Like you can get complacent. Obviously, it's more to repair. Um, it'd be better if like you had like an injury that you need, like your team was beat up and. Right. You, know, you needed that kind of stuff, but in TCU's case, knock on wood, they're mostly healthy right now. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like having that Oklahoma State. It's going to be a tough game, but not exactly the toughest. So you yeah. hopefully get right, and then you're well prepared going into Saturday because you still have four off days in between, or I guess three yeah. off days. Yeah. All right. Before we bring Tori in, official predictions from you. Go for it. I'll take chalk to be honest i think it's going to be when oklahoma state high loss of baylor but i i do think both are winnable and both are losable yeah i my gut tells me to go there but i think just for the hell of it i'm going two and oh i think they get the big win at baylor um i don't know for some reason i just like the way that (laughs) I don't know. It's it's fun because, like you said, we could be. There are two different TCU teams. There's a really good one and a not so good one. So yeah. And a lot of the times they show themselves in the same game, which is even more fun. So it's hard to predict these games, but for whatever reason, I I think it's going to be so tough to go two and zero with two road games in the Big Twelve. But I like it. I'm going to go uh, a win at Oklahoma State and a win at Baylor. I'm yeah, I was at that game in Waco last year with that check game winner, and that was such an yeah, awesome game. So hopefully we'll yeah. run it back. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break and let's uh bring Tori in. Yeah, this should this should be interesting. Yeah. Okay, joining us now is Tori Couch, our killerfrogs.com colleague. Um we had her on earlier in the year to talk about the TCU women's basketball team and the hot start that they got off to. Now there's some, there's some news with this team. And if for the people who haven't heard of what's going on with TCU women's basketball, can you uh, give us kind of a rundown of what's happened over the last kind of week or so of, of that program? Yeah. Um, There's been a lot that's going on. So I'll try and kind of hit on it as all of it as best I can. Hopefully kind of fill in any gaps, but Essentially, the team uh, canceled or forfeited their last two conference games, uh, Kansas State and Iowa State. Those games will not be made up, um, and they'll count against the conference record, but not the team's overall record. And the reason the women's basketball team did not participate in those games was because they didn't have enough players. So what had happened in the Houston game, um, that would have been the Saturday before the Kansas State game was supposed to be played, um, the team was already down Sedona Prince. She injured her finger against Baylor early in January. And then um, Jaden Owens went down with what turned out to be an ACL injury. It's going to be season ending, undergoing surgery, all that against Houston. And it was a non-contact injury. And those are kind of the worst ones to watch. Um, I was watching that game and just saw her go down. It's like, she's out for at least the rest of the game. And you really hope maybe she's out for a week or two. It's not really that serious, but it ended up being season ending. Um, you know, which you could tell during that game, they were having a hard time adjusting to losing their point guard and all these things, but you thought, okay, they're, they've still got enough pieces. They're going to be okay. Um, and then the 
the Kansas State game got canceled along with Iowa State because as it, as things have kind of come to light, a couple other players have been injured. Another one with a season-ending ankle injury, ankle surgery is Daisha Turner. Um, and she's kind of become a big piece for the Frogs with all these different injuries that have come up. Um, and I don't know, they haven't publicized any other injuries or anything else of that nature. Um, but so there's a lot of rumors and things floating around. I don't really want to speculate on that. But it just sounds like this team has gotten the injury bug kind of to an extreme. Um, so now they're they're trying to regroup and are supposed to play UCF on Tuesday. Yeah, so with the open tryouts, how many um, extra players did they get and do they expect them to actually have roles? Because if you go from just non-basketball player student at TCU to just jumping into the best basketball conference in the nation, you know, it's it's a big jump. So how what is their expectations for these tryouts and how many players did they get? Yeah, I don't know how many players they ended up getting out of that process, but you're 100% right. Going from, even if you have really good high school basketball experience and you were in all everything, but you're not conditioned to be a Division One athlete, that is a huge jump. Um, so my guess is this was kind of to, to fill out their roster so they could have 10 girls that can play and then enough to practice with and things like that. So I think this is more move just to, to fill out the roster, um, you know, and I'm sure some of them will probably see minutes here and there, um, but you're still going to have Madison Connor and um, some of these other players that, you know, who have been a huge piece of this team. I just don't think they've had enough bodies mm -hmm. to, to be able to practice and do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. So you talked about Deja Turner and Jaden Owens injuries are season ending, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Sedona Prince broke her finger. Is that a, what is the expectation there? Do we know the timetable for her return? Cause that would be a big addition for them. Yeah, it would. So um, when she underwent surgery and all that, the initial expectation is coming back, hopefully end of February, early March, somewhere along those lines. I haven't heard any change to that given everything that's happened. I would imagine they'd want her to come back. I know she Part of why she came back to, to college was to improve her stock for the WNBA and keep getting better and all these things. So from just that competitor standpoint, I I would imagine she would return. But again, it's going to be another five to six weeks before she returns. And with her back, you know, she was the focal point of the offense in some ways. And so you you could tell even for all these other injuries that they just struggled to just not having her there. Um, they were starting to figure it out. But now you've lost all these other important pieces as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're talking about the speculation a little bit because it was such a big thing that was in the TCU sports world. I think um, going on Twitter, there were different people saying like there was a brawl that caused this and all these outlandish accusations, I would say. What was your reaction to that covering the team? Um, because I think Sedona Prince like went on TikTok and gave yeah. the whole rundown of what happened, which was basically, as you said, just a crazy, unlucky run of injuries, which is almost like a a movie type script where you're having these random, you know, tryouts now. But what was your reaction to all the speculation? And um, I don't know. Was there any truth behind any of them? 
I mean, yeah, when I got, <clears throat> excuse me, when I got the information that the the two games are canceled, I just, I was heartbroken for this team. They have, with the start that they've had, and yes, they lost to Baylor even fully healthy, but they, they had a chance against Baylor for most of that game. And so I was just heartbroken for this team because it has been such a good, good start. And then for things to just essentially do a complete 180, I mean, and it's all out of your control. You know, you almost expect an injury or, injury or two throughout the season. That's just the way things go. Um, but I just, from my understanding, it's just injuries and that's part of basketball. Unfortunately, it's been to the extreme for this team and, you know, also things like speculation, trying to kind of, and I get it. We all want to know what's going on. We all want to be able to kind of figure out, well, why would they do these unprecedented things or whatnot? Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I feel really bad for this team because they had such good trajectory. I, the more they were playing together and the more you watch them, you just thought they have a chance to finish in the top half of the big 12 challenge some of those better teams. And now, I mean, it's, it's going to be a really, really tough season. Um, I think there's no way around it. Yes. You still have these girls who are division one athletes, but you're going to have, you're not going to have a lot of depth and that's just going to make it really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Yeah. On Nick's point, Kansas State fans on Twitter were so mad for whatever reason. I, I don't really understand that. But um, move, uh, moving on to the season moving forward, like there's still pieces there, like you mentioned. We talked a lot about Madison Connor last time you were on. This really prolific scorer. What is she averaging? I believe like 21 a game still. Is, mm -hmm. is there enough here in your eyes that they can still be scrappy and be competitive? Or is this like a... I don't know. Like, what is the what is the mood for this around this team going forward? That's a really good question, and I think we're going to learn a lot on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's still a lot of good pieces. Aaliyah Roberson has been in since Sedona went out, and she has definitely had some really good moments. Um, you can tell she's she's not Sedona, and that's that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, when um, in the Oklahoma State game the the home game after the Baylor game coach Gambling would said I'm not expecting her to be Sedona that's not who she is I just want her to be the best version of herself and I think you were starting to see that in the in the games that they did play so I think Leah Roberson does give them some good talent um you still have Una Yakov I'm butchering her last name um still have Una Jovanovic um who has a lot of experience she can score if she needs to she mm -hmm. can break out Agnes is still going to be just an absolute beast on the board, get you some points. Um, I, I think there's pieces there that I don't see this team just holding, backing down and not trying. Mm -hmm. um, but there, I think some of the scores are not going to look as great as they could just because the team back in June that was together going on the, the summer international trip and all these things, that's not this team anymore. It's a completely different team. Mm -hmm. yeah and with that being said like obviously you go from 14 and 0 to this like with the snap of a finger and what does success look like now i would say for the rest of the season is it just finish it to be honest or and how does this affect the program going forward or does it at all yeah that's a really good question when i i had the opportunity to write a story about the team's hot start one of the questions i asked coach Coach Campbell was, how do you define success? And to him, and this was when the, 
four non-conference finish, so they're on this run, they're playing as well as they possibly could play. He says, it's not about wins, it's not about losses, or, you know, I don't have those kind of arbitrary goals. It's, are we maximizing this team's talent? So I think from that standpoint, the level, the standard of success isn't going to change. It's still, for this coaching staff, going to be, how do we maximize this group's talent? Mm -hmm. Now, that's not going to look the same as it did four weeks ago as far as number of wins and what they do in the tournament and all these kinds of things. But I still think for the coaching staff, the expectation remains we're going to push these girls as hard as they pos- as hard as we possibly can, no matter what they're, whether they were on the team from the jump or they just joined, you know, the last day or two. Um, so I don't think that perspective is going to change. Um, but, you know, as far as kind of the future of this program, that's where I think you're going to see where we're really going to learn a lot about Coach Campbell and his staff. Mm-hmm. Because this is where you go to recruits and say, man, we just had this kind of unprecedented rash of injuries and just an unprecedented time. But we still have faith in you and your abilities and where this program can go. And, you know, we still have these girls who are committed to the program who came in and things like that. That's where you, that's where those relationships and things like that start to become really, really important. So I, I think it's fair to worry a little bit about the future of the program just because this just changes things so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also that this is a chance for the coaching staff to kind of show we we are committed to TCU, we're committed to what we're building, and our recruits are committed to us as well. Mm-hmm. So on Tuesday, they TCU plays, as far as I know, the game is still on. They play UCF. UCF is a team that is also not won a, not won a game in conference play yet. And, and I know it's hard to know what TCU has and what it's going to look like with the pieces that they have left. But I don't know what you know about this UCF team, but what is the, you know, is this a game they can win? And how big would it be if they were able to get a win after the week they've had? I mean, it would be huge if they could get a win. I know it's a you know newcomer to the conference, not an old Big 12 school, all that. I, I get that. But just to get a conference win after everything that's gone on, mm-hmm. it would just be such a huge morale boost. Because mm-hmm. um, I think anybody would admit this is going to be a really tough Big con- Big 12 season. It's just going to be tough. And so any, any good things that you can have along the way, um, I think that's really important. Um, you know, I haven't had a chance yet to sit down and dive into UCF, but kind of like you said, they're, they've struggled. The transition for them has been, been tough um, as one of those new teams to the conference. So I think this is an opportunity to, to get a win. Um, but again, you've got girls that are trying to learn how to play together and kind of relearn an offense that that was designed a certain way and has been redesigned. I don't know how many times over the last two weeks. I mean, that's, that's really, really hard to do all that on the fly when everybody else is doing what they've been doing since June. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just unfathomable what had happened. And um, I don't know if do you have any more questions, but I mean, that clarification, like I didn't really know what happened. And just seeing all this speculation was crazy um, because it seemed just like, I mean, it it was insane how fast all these random injuries happen, and mm-hmm. just to see 
how many different news things were going on and all this different random speculation that was mm-hmm. very uncalled for, I would say. Um, I appreciate you giving us some some clarification and yeah, um, yeah, no, whenever and the I'll, next, yeah. yeah, well, and I'll be at the game on on Tuesday. Um, so I'm I'm personally curious myself to see what that post game press conference is like, win or lose. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think again, that's gonna be another thing that's gonna show us a little bit more about who Coach Campbell is and just the way he approaches that. And even after the Oklahoma State loss, he still had a very he still was positive because he could, he knew this team had room to grow and all these things that they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to see what, what that post game press conference is going to be like, given that there's just another layer of, of adversity to this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really just overall, very unfortunate. Um, this was such a fun team and it, fe- it felt like TCU women's basketball had as much momentum as just as a program had as much, momentum as it's had maybe ever I don't know mm-hmm. I, I'm not you know I don't want to say that definitely but it's I you know I definitely feel for that team and for this also to happen with the first year coach and Mark Campbell I'm sure that's just really really difficult but um, we're I think we're all interested to see how kind of he handles it and uh, once again we we really appreciate you coming on and, and yeah. talking maybe explaining a bit of, of what's going on and maybe what to expect going forward we appreciate you coming back on yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll ha- we'll have you on again um, later in the season, maybe to do one one more check in. But uh, it's always fun to talk TCU hoops. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Frog Fever Killer Frogs Basketball Podcast. That was a pretty good one. Uh, thanks again uh, to Tori for coming on talking women's basketball. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of other – another uh, fun week of, of Big 12 basketball ahead. So come back next week, and we'll we'll talk more about it. Um, but for now, you can find us anywhere, any of your preferred podcast listening platforms. We're on all of them. We're on killerfrogs.com if you want to watch us talk. Um, but I am Davis Wilson. That's Nick Germani, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, guys.